0: something. We were going to have church today. It didn't matter what we had to do. I saw the forecast and I said, I didn't care. We were, we were going to come to church. So it's great that we could be here. Thank you for those that were able to join us on our first Facebook live kind of worship service. And I think that went really well. And and Sarah really gets all the credit. She understood the technology uh, with all of that and, uh, and talked through some of those who are technology challenged. Um, so it was a great experience. And You know, it's been an interesting week. I had the privilege to go to a Chamber of Commerce meeting here in our community, and I was stunned to learn the number of small businesses that are in our community. And if you had to guess, I asked a couple of people. Some people said, well, 20. Some people said 30. Do you know there's over 200 small businesses in our community? That's amazing when you, when you think of that, but the, the community's growing. And I love small businesses because growing up, my parents owned two pizza shops, Mr. Pizza and the Tower of Pizza. What an intimidating name that was. And it was awesome because I got to eat pizza for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And, you know, my dad would make the pizzas, my mom would sell the pizzas, I would do uh, the boxes in the back, and then I got to be able to put the sauce and the cheese on. So I love small businesses, and every small business is unique. Every small business is different. And I found a couple of small businesses that maybe you've heard of, maybe you've used, but they were unique to me. For example, have you ever heard about Doggles? Doggles, D-O-G-G-L-E-S, make sunglasses for dogs. And this is a real business. They make over $3 million a year. And so there are dogs that are running around that have sunglasses on. And then there's Ship Snow, where people in the New England area take snow and ship it to people in other places who don't have snow. I think all of us could get in on that business right now and make a lot of money. How about Vitality Air? People in the Rocky Mountains get a bottle, and they get air, and they, and they close it, and they sell it for $17 a can around the world to countries that have smog problems, and they make a ton of money. One of my favorites is called the anger room. This is a room that is set up that you get to come in with a baseball bat and just destroy everything in sight to get all your frustration out. And I see a lot of people going, yes, I need that. I need that. So that's a great one. Uh, ship your enemy's glitter. (laughs) Have you ever opened up one of those glitter cards and glitter goes everywhere, and then you can never get it all clean? There is a business that if you've got an enemy, you can ship them a card of exploding glitter. And sadly, people are making a lot of money. Uh, Ugly furniture. They build themselves as untalented people building ugly furniture that you can buy. And people are buying ugly furniture built by untalented people. Uh, Crowd on demand. Let's just say you want a crowd when you enter somewhere. You can call and you can have all these people just cheering you as you come into work or to school or to church. This is the ultimate ego boost that you can have a crowd. And then lastly, my favorite, I saw this on Shark Tank, so I know it's legitimate. Potato parcel. People are sending messages on potatoes through the mail. You get like 13 characters, and you can actually ship a potato through the U.S. Postal Service. And so people are sending potato parcels, and they are making thousands of dollars. They got an investment on Shark Tank for that. It's crazy, all these small businesses. And the thing about all of those small businesses and any small business is you got to be all in. You have to be all in if you want to send potatoes through the mail or have exploding glitter or open a pizza shop or whatever small business is. You've got to be all in. You can't do it halfway or three quarters. And the same is true if we truly want to be a Christ follower. If we want to live out the great command to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind and all your strength, we have to be all in. You know, we started last week on the, on, through the Facebook Live, kind of what does it mean to be all in and be a follower of Christ? We're going to be going through the Gospel of Mark all the way through Easter. And so last week we talked about how Jesus is approachable, how we, how we healed the man with leprosy. And so we're going to move on to chapter 2 um, here today. So if you want to open up your Bible, and I hope you picked up our sermon notes sheet as you came in. We want to encourage you, take notes. How is God speaking to you today? Write the scripture down, go read it again. So we want to encourage you to to pick up those sermon notes, bring your Bibles to church, uh, have them on your phone, but let's get into the word of God together. So it says this here in Mark chapter 2. Once again, Jesus went out beside the lake. A large crowd came to him and he began to teach them. As he walked along, he saw Levi, son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, Jesus told him. Now, I know it's tough for us to imagine, but Jesus was walking along the beach. And wouldn't it be great if we could be walking along the beach right now? Jesus is walking along the beach, and these crowds of people, they're coming up to him, and instead of Jesus shushing them away, he begins to teach them. And he doesn't ever turn anybody away who wants to come up and learn. So he continues to teach these people, and so we pick up as he's going back out again to walk along the beach, he comes across Levi. Levi is a tax collector. And understand, tax collectors would set up a booth on the beach because they were taxing imports and exports from fishermen and boats. And it was probably a combination of a a lifeguard stand and a toll booth. And so everybody who came, everybody who went, had to pay a tax. And understand that the way the tax collection worked here was the tax collector could charge you anything he wants. Anything. As long as he gave a certain amount to Rome, the rest was for him. Nobody likes taxes. Nobody has ever liked paying taxes. The only thing worse than taxes in this culture is the tax collector. They were despised. They were despicable. They were selfish. They were considered traitors because they were taxing their own people because Rome had control over the Jewish people. And so these guys were making money off of their friends. They were excommunicated from the temple They weren't allowed to in any way serve in a judiciary role, whether that was a witness or whether it was a judge or a jury. These were the most despised, despicable people you could ever imagine. They were vile in their community. And yet we see that Jesus has an encounter with him and says, follow me. Why would Jesus go up to the most despised, most despicable, most selfish person you could imagine? Because Jesus seeks sinners. Jesus seeks sinners. He doesn't seek saints. He seeks sinners. He seeks broken people and selfish people and self-absorbed people and people who are mean to other people. Jesus seeks sinners. And sometimes we forget that we are sinners and that Jesus is seeking us. It says he was walking along the beach and when the crowd came to him, he said, Follow me. And what's so amazing in that moment is we see this radical obedience from Levi, who is also called Matthew. And we see that, that, that Levi has this moment that Jesus said, follow me. And then radical obedience, Levi goes. Levi says he gets up and he leaves. And, and we need to think about that for just a second because Levi was leaving everything. He might have been despised and despicable, but he was rich. He was powerful, he was well-known, he had a a reputation, whether it was bad, he was somebody. He had a nice house, he had money, he had all these things. And he said, I'm going to leave it all to follow Jesus. In this story, in the Gospel of Matthew, it says that he forsook everything to follow Jesus. See, if you and I want to be all in, we've got to be willing to leave everything to follow Jesus. Matthew, or Levi left everything. He left his money, he left, he left his resources, he left his 401K, he left his stock investments, he left a nice car, he left everything to follow Jesus because he knew that following Jesus was greater than following the world. He knew that if he was going to be all in and follow Jesus, he couldn't have one foot in the world and one foot with Jesus. You got to be all in. It's like a small business, you gotta be all in, you gotta give a hundred percent. My family and I spent every waking minute at these pizza shops, without question, because it was everything to us. It was our livelihood, it was everything. If we didn't do well at the pizza shop, we couldn't afford our house. Levi realized, if I'm gonna be all in, I've gotta leave everything behind. And that's hard. That's really, really hard. Think of the story of the rich young ruler. He came up to Jesus and said, what do I have to do to gain eternal life? And Jesus says, keep all the commandments. And he says, oh, I did that. I want you to think about that. He kept all the commandments. He believed he was perfect. He believed that he never sinned. He believed that he never broke any of the commandments. Then Jesus says, okay, okay. Then go sell everything and then come follow me. And what does the text tell us? He left sad. He wasn't willing to give up his worldly wealth, his worldly possessions to follow Jesus. He had to weigh, follow Jesus, follow the world. And he says, I'm going to follow the world. See, he wasn't really all in. We can be religious and not be all in. We can come to church and not be all in. We can be involved in church activities and not be all in. All in says, I'm going to have God rearrange my priorities. That's what Jesus did. He rearranged Levi's priorities. Levi's priorities, well, they were Levi. It was all about him. It was all about his time and his money and his stuff and what he wanted for his life. It was all about Levi. But when you're all in to follow Jesus, your priorities become Jesus' priorities. And that is so counterculture, especially to us today, because the culture tells us it's all about us. It's about our rights and what we want and what makes us happy. But if we're really gonna be all in, and I'm not saying being all in church, I'm saying being all in as a Christ follower, I mean loving the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, then our priorities have to be Jesus' priorities. Because if our priorities are us, then we're not all in. And see, that's what Levi did. He said, I'm all in. He went from, from overcharging people for taxes, he's now a wanted man by the Roman government. He's a wanted man. Because he basically said to Rome, I don't care about you, I care about Jesus. And the Roman government would have come for him. So we have to ask the question, what is Jesus asking you to leave behind to be all in? Or what is holding you back from being all in to follow Jesus? What are you still holding on to instead of saying, I'm going to let it go and I'm going to really be all in to follow Jesus? Because you can't do what I call the hokey pokey faith. I don't know if that's a Pennsylvania thing. You remember the game, Hokey Pokey? You put your one foot in, you put your one foot out, then you shake it all about, you turn all around. Am I the only one who knows this game? Okay, I just want to make sure it wasn't just kind of a Pennsylvania thing. But we kind of have a Hokey Pokey faith. I'm in, I'm out, I'm in, I'm out. And Jesus says, you got to be all in. And you got to leave everything else behind that our priorities need to change. Levi's priorities, they changed. They absolutely changed. Levi threw a party. He says, you know, I'm all in for Jesus now. And he says, I want all my friends to be all in for Jesus because this is too good a news not to share that there's forgiveness and there's grace and there's hope that I'm all in. He says, I'm going to have a party and I'm going to invite all my friends. So he invited all these tax collectors and all these sinners and there were prostitutes and there were drunks and there were all kinds of people. So we know he had a big house. And he invites all these people because he wants them to know the good news. And then it says that Jesus comes over and Jesus is having, having dinner with tax collectors and sinners and prostitutes and drunkards and those that the people of the culture would say, no, those are bad people. You know, don't talk to them. Don't associate with them. They're, they're, no. So why would Jesus associate with people that so clearly We're not his followers, that we're clearly not church folk. Because here's your second point Jesus loves sinners. Jesus loves sinners. And guess what? You and I are sinners, and he loves us. He loves us desperately, he loves us deeply. Jesus loves sinners. He seeks sinners, and he loves sinners because he came to redeem sinners. And what we see is that, that Levi is all in and he understands that, that he didn't get Jesus to, to say come follow me because he was good enough. It's because of grace. You can't earn God's love and you can only receive it. It's God's grace. And so he said, I'm all in. And he says, if my heart is all in and my head is all in, then guess what? My home is all in. Isn't that how it should work? Like if we're all in, if we're like, I'm going to follow Jesus and my heart is for Christ and my head is for Christ, shouldn't our homes be for Christ? What does Joshua say? As for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. He said, my house is a place of ministry. My house is a place of hope. My house is a place where we will serve Jesus and praise Jesus. And what Levi said, Lord, my house is your house. And Lord, however you want to use my home, Lord, use my home for the kingdom. But sometimes our homes become our castle instead of his kingdom. How can we be all in? when our homes are our castle and not his kingdom. See, Levi said, Lord, I want you to rearrange my priorities. I'm going to follow you. I'm going to leave everything behind. Lord, I want to be all in. And not only is my heart all in, but my home is all in. And Lord, however you want to use my home, use it. And again, that that shouldn't surprise us because we we read this here in Isaiah 61. It says, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me. Because the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness the prisoners. Jesus said those words that Isaiah said in Luke. He said it for a packed synagogue. He said, I'm the guy that's here to fulfill it. I'm the guy that's bringing the good news. I'm the guy that's going to release the prisoners. Jesus is here to release the prisoners. And Levi said, Lord, use my house people are more apt to come to your home than they are to church. But shouldn't our homes be the church? Shouldn't our homes all be the church? Shouldn't we be a church that has like 55 locations that all come to one location on a Sunday? But shouldn't our home be a place of worship and praise and healing and hope? That's what Levi did, because Levi said, I'm all in. I'm all in. And when we open our homes for ministry, it's amazing what God will do. When I was in my early 20s and just trying to figure out what it meant to be a Christ follower, I was a part of a young adult group at the church I went to in Florida. And every Sunday night, this family, they would open their home. It was a beautiful home. It was a huge home. It was on a lake. And all of the young adults, we would come there. And, and there was a young guy, and he would play some music, and we would sing some songs. And then there was a teacher, and, and he would just kind of share some, some of the gospel message with us. And then we'd kind of break up into groups, and we'd talk about it. And can I tell you how important that was in my spiritual growth? To be a young adult with other young adults and start to ask questions and, and seek truth and seek answers? And can I tell you that I, to this day, do not know whose home that was? I don't believe the homeowners were ever there when the young adults were there. But it was one of the most powerful things in my life that I could gather in a home and I could hear the gospel. That family was all in. They said, use my home. Even though we don't have young adults or we don't have kids, we have a space that we want to be used for kingdom purposes. See, being all in says, I am going to let God's priorities be my priorities and whatever resources I have, I want to give them to God and say, God, how can you use this resource for the kingdom? Levi said, my resource is my home, and I'm going to let my home be used, Lord, for you. And people heard the gospel from Jesus. They met with Jesus. They were changed by Jesus because Levi said, Lord, I'm all in because Jesus seeks sinners and Jesus loves sinners. So we have this scene going on, and it's just an amazing thing. And and then we have the, uh, the Pharisees, the religious people. And we often look at the Pharisees and say, oh, I can't believe them. But guess what? You and I are the Pharisees. You and I are the, are, are the religious people that says, oh, don't hang out in that neighborhood. Oh, don't, don't, don't be around those people. And so they were looking at Jesus. He's like... He's eating with tax collectors and sinners and prostitutes and all of these people. And the Pharisees say, what is he doing? And so they say to his disciples, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? They start to question Jesus. Say, Jesus, they're not like our folks. They're not church folk. They they, they don't look like they'd fit into our church. And I love Jesus' response. He said, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but the sinners see, Jesus seeks sinners, Jesus loves sinners, and Jesus heals sinners. Jesus did not come to heal those that didn't need healing. He came to heal those that were ill. You know, we're in cold and flu season now, and so many of us have have been battling illness, and a lot of times we try to self-medicate. A lot of times we try to be tough, and, and I'll just say this, us guys, we're probably more stubborn they were like, I'm fine, I'm fine, and, and I'll go to work. And, you know, we're miserable. Our eyes are popping out. Our nose is running. We've got like 116 fever. I'm good. I don't need to go see the doctor, right? We often try to self-medicate because we don't think we need a doctor. But at some point, you have to get there and say, I can't, I can't get well on my own. I have to go to a doctor. I just, I have to go. And when it's finally when you go to the doctor that you can be healed. See, Jesus is the great physician. All of us are infected with the illness of sin. And until we get to the point where we say, I can't heal myself, and what what I'm trying to do isn't working. I need to go see Jesus because Jesus can heal me. See, being all in means that you admit you're sick. Being all in says, I know I'm a sinner. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Some of us don't think we've fallen short. But, you know, it's easy not to fall short when you get to move the bar. But Jesus has set the bar. So when we say, Lord, I'm sick, I need your help, we'll be healed. When you go to a doctor's office, are there well people in there? Do you ever run into somebody? Hey, I just wanted to come in. I feel great, but I just thought I'd come hang out at the doctor's office. It's really a fun place. I love to wait this long. <laughs> Nobody says that. Nobody. The only people that are in there are those that are sick. Jesus didn't come to heal the sick. He heal the well. He came to heal the sick. If you think about it, Jesus made a house call. Jesus came down from heaven to earth. He made a house call so that you and I could be healed. And what Levi did was he says, my house is not my house. My house is an ER. My house is an emergency room where I want sick people to get well. And the way that they get well is through Jesus. This isn't the first time we see this here in Mark's gospel. Remember when Jesus came over to Simon Peter's house? His mother-in-law was sick. And when word got out that Jesus was there, it says this, that evening after sunset, the people brought to Jesus all the sick and the possessed. The whole town gathered at the door and Jesus healed many who had various diseases. He also drove out many demons, but he would not let the demons speak because they knew who he was. See, everybody gathered at the door at Peter's mother-in-law's house because Jesus was there. When your house is a place for ministry, it's a place where people can come and get well. The word disciple means learner. But see, those who are disciples of Christ are more than learners, they're doers. There are those who say, I'm all in. And Lord, whatever resources I have, I want to give you. I recently saw a video of a woman. She's an author. Her name is Rosario Dawson. And she's written many books. Her latest book is The Gospel Comes with a house key. I think we've got the picture of the book that's up there. And she gave this talk on how she shared her journey to coming to Christ and then how Christ has been using her and her husband, who's a pastor. See, Rosario used to be a professor at Syracuse University many years ago. She was a very liberal professor. She was someone who was living a lifestyle that was outside the glory of God. She was engaged in in living a lifestyle of same-sex attraction and same-sex relationships. And she said she had a neighbor who would always invite her over for dinner. And they would just come over and talk. No agenda from the neighbor. And they would just get to know each other and just talk about life. And she said, God just used that relationship to help her see who she was called to be. And she gave her life to Christ. She left everything behind. She met her husband, Mark, ironically. And they've been married and they have kids. And she tells the story that she's living in her neighborhood and a new young man moves into the house next door and he's a very angry, a very bitter, a very surly young man. Well, it turns out he was suffering from PTSD. And they tried really hard to get to know him. He would even disarm the doorbell so that they couldn't ring the doorbell to bring over cookies. The one thing they could finally agree on was dogs. They had a dog and this young man had a dog. So they would walk dogs together. She didn't really get to know much, but she always would walk the dog. One day she's in her kitchen and Multiple police cars descend upon their neighborhood. They descend upon their neighbor's house, and it turns out this young man and a woman that he was living with had a meth lab going on in their basement. You can imagine how disturbing this was in a suburban area. And so Rosaria and her husband Mark said, what do we do? They said, we're going to post something on Nextdoor. I think everybody is familiar with that app. And we want to invite the neighbors over to talk about it. And so they opened their home and neighbors would come over and they were talking about this. What do we do? And relationships were built and Bible studies began to happen and people's lives were changed. Well, this woman, Rosaria, and her husband kept in touch with her neighbor and this other woman and would go visit them in prison. And she shares today that that young man and the woman he was living with have both given their lives to Jesus Christ. Now, they're still serving time in prison, but one day they will get out. And they know Jesus because somebody cared enough to open their hearts, to open their homes, to walk dogs. If we want to love the Lord our God with all our heart, all our soul, all our strength, and all our mind, then we've got to be all in. And all in is knowing that Jesus seeks sinners. Jesus loves sinners. And Jesus heals sinners. And if we're all in, we say, Lord, use anything I've got. Use my job. Use my classes. Use my home. Use my car. Whatever resources we have, if we say, Lord, they are yours. Because, Lord, my priorities are your priorities, God will use that. God will change people's lives. When we are all in, And I mean all in, watch God work. I want to ask our worship team to come back up. And as they come back up, I kind of want to just give you some things to to think about as we kind of head out into our week. And I want to encourage you to interact with these, to really wrestle with these. The first one is this. Who sets your priorities, you or Jesus? Do you say, here are the priorities in my life? Or do you say, Jesus, what are the priorities In my life? What do you want me to do today? What do you want me to do this next hour? What do you want me to do with my resources? Who sets your priorities? Number two, do you use your resources for the kingdom? Whose kingdom are you building? Are you building Jesus' kingdom or are you building your own kingdom? Do you use all your resources to say, Lord, I'm all in? Maybe you've got talent. Maybe you've got time. Maybe you've got a gift with kids or a gift to sing or whatever. Are you using them all for Jesus? And number three, have you seen the great physician? Have you gotten to the point where you're done self-medicating, trying to believe you're not that sick? Have you gotten to the moment where you can say, Lord, I am sick, I am infected with sin. Lord, I come to you. Will you heal me? And know that Jesus will. He seeks sinners. He loves sinners. He heals sinners. Amen?